Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following is paid commercial programming. The views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Yeah, it's time to hop on the crazy train. <laughs> Welcome to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Coleman Insect Repellents. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors, only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train with the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to a beautiful Saturday morning here in Wisconsin. This is the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors, where we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. live and unrehearsed. We don't plan a darn thing. Anyway, uh, and Danny is gone today. Uh, he's up in Door County smallmouth bass fishing, and our, my host with me today, my co-host, is Ron Heidenreich. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, he's the guy you got to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and anyway, uh, you know, you can uh, contact us several ways. You can call us and uh, with your questions or comments at 414-799-1250. You can email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And you, if you've missed any part of the show, show or you can't listen to it until Monday or Tuesday or whatever, just go to 1057fmthefan.com and you can find it there and replay not just this show, but shows from the past. So anyway, good morning, Ron. Good morning, morning Drake. Huh? Morning. So, should we get right into it? Let's get into it. Well, first of all, you, you went to a concert this weekend. Oh. This week. I did a bucket list thing this week. Uh, my wife and I went and saw George Thorogood down at the Pabst Theater uh, Tuesday night. Guy's 67 years old, and there was an hour and 45 minutes, and there was not one slow song in the concert. <laughs> really? That guy can rock. Was really? it good? It was good, yeah, huh? Very, yeah. very good. And the house was packed, eh? Full house. Yeah. Full house. And the Pabst Theater, it was the first time I was ever in the Pabst Theater. You know, and, it, and it's like the Riverside, you know, from the, I don't know, maybe 1920s when they were built. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, very ornate and uh, and a very um Did it have did it have red seats? Yes, red velvet seats. Okay. I, I actually did a seminar there once. Did you? Yes. Wow. Did a seminar up on stage there? Yeah. Back in the twenties? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in the twenties. <laughs> oh, no, it a, used it's... to be when, when they used to hold the sports show downtown. Okay. And because then they were having seminars, remember they they would they would do them uh, where they would do it in the auditorium. Right. And then, then when they were changing things around, uh, then they did them in the Paps and uh, Paps Theater one year. Okay. Yeah. So I'll never yeah. forget that. That was 
it's kind of intimidating. Is it? <laughs> well, well, yeah. Getting on that stage and that—that's a pretty big area, you know, out in front of you. You know, I, you know, I'm not sure what the full uh, seating capacity is, but I'm going to guess it's probably around 400 people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, you know, there wasn't a bad seat in the house. Yeah. It was—it was a very nice venue. And those seats are nice and comfy. Well. I'm on the big side for them seats. Yeah. You know, you well, wouldn't want to be any bigger than me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, width-wise, but I mean, <laughs> yes. they got nice oh, cushioning. Yes. Nice right. cushioning. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Very but comfy. if you're too wide, it's kind of a press fit. <laughs> well, <laughs> some of us have that problem. Anyway, uh, you want to take a guess on how, you know, the, the, the well, let's put it this way. The record came in, all the numbers came in that the DNR gets from uh, the, the tribal spearing season. And uh, and you got to wonder how many, if if all the walleyes being speared are recorded, you know, right, you, right. you don't know for sure. Nobody knows. The DNR doesn't know. But you want to take a guess on how many were uh, speared this year? Well, I'm going to go on on past history. I'm going to yeah. guess it's someplace around twenty three, twenty four thousand. Well, actually, the six tribes set a spearing record with. Thirty-eight thousand nine hundred and ninety-one oh. that were reported. Ugh. Almost, almost thirty-nine thousand, and uh, the Lac de Flambeau chain was the one who took the most, of course, with yeah. over twenty-one thousand. They, they always do. Yeah, and and didn't you tell me uh, this week that there was a big musky spirit too? Was that you? Who told no, me somebody it wasn't, wasn't me. Somebody told me that uh, uh like a fifty-some pounder was speared. I mean, uh, actually, the the during the spearing process, not many. Uh, Muskies were speared this year because of the water temperature. Right. And, uh, but there was one real big one, a 50 some pounder. Well, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me either. But, uh, but anyway, it, it continues. And, and, you know, it's a sore spot for many anglers, uh, why this does continue. But, but anyway, that's, you know, it it is, but we can't do anything about it. We could gross all you want. And, uh, the Supreme Court ruled on it and we're stuck with it. So, Uh, don't mind me. I'm just drinking some coffee. Yeah, here. drink all drink away. Yeah, this I'll tell you. This is a beautiful weekend. It was warm yesterday. It's going to be warm. It's going to be almost ninety today and tomorrow. I know. And uh, I'll tell you, if those those bass got to be just about done. I I mean, I was out on Sunday, but the I mean, no Monday. I was out on Memorial Day with my son, and because he had, it was the only time he could go during the week, right? Okay. And 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 he had off of work. And uh, he said, Dad, I'm going to go. You want to go? And I said, of course. Now, I know whenever you go out on a holiday, it's always going to be a little busy. Oh, yeah. You know. And so we went early. and But I'll tell you, Monday was post-frontal conditions. <laughs> and if our listeners don't know what that means, I'm going to tell you. And Ron will tell you, too. <laughs> High pressure, uh, windy. And uh, clear blue skies. Mile high sky and wind. Yeah, uh, windy. Yeah, and the high pressure too. The high barometric pressure is bad. The the wind, the clear blue skies. Man, and especially being on a clear lake that we were, it was tough. Generally, the results are zero or next to zero. Well, I told my son. I, I mean, we. You know, funny thing was, we could see bass. We could see them. They would just swim away from your lures. Anything you were throwing at them, they just swim away. Just, just. Get get out of the way, you know. Mm. And uh, so, but I told him, I says, I'm not. We're not leaving until I catch a bass. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got one, Ron. I got about a 17 incher. Finally got one, and I said, Okay, I feel better now. We can leave. On <laughs> uh, artificial or artificial? Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't used live bait for for bass in I bet you 
40 years. Wow. Yeah, I have. I just don't use live bait for bass. I, I think there's times when live bait probably works oh, yeah. better than artificials under those conditions. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so used to not using it, you know, that one, a guy I was talking to a week or two ago, he was telling me um, he wanted to know how to catch bass, and he fishes out at Pewaukee a lot, and I was showing him at, at uh, Sherpers the plastic worms, which, by the way, we've got a number of, Senkos, you know, Yamamoto Senkos and uh, Chomper Salty Sinkers. Selected varieties are 30% off. So not all of them are 30% off, but selected ones are. But anyway, uh, and I was showing them the Senkos and the Salty Sinkers. And uh, I said, what are you using now for bass? He said, well, I use like a small jig and a half a night crawler. Okay. And I says, well, with that, you're going to get a lot of uh, panfish eating the, the, the worm off on you. And he and his friend looks at him and he says, I told you that's what's going on. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that's what what happens when you do that. You know, the panfish are gonna eat gobble that stuff that up. Rat a tat tat tat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're gonna be pulling off that half a night crawler constantly. Yeah. So anyway, I, I showed him the the you know, wacky rig setup and how to rig it weedless and all that stuff. So hopefully they're doing good. Did you ever use the wacky rig with the uh with the O ring wrapped around oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. around the worm? Yeah, I've got the O I've got that whole system. Just As a matter of like- fact, it works fine. Oh yeah. Do you like that better than, than hooking it through the worm? When I'm lazy, <laughs> I don't use it. When I when I actually take the time I put it on. I mean, it doesn't take long. It's no. just that I gotta fish the little tool out of the box, right. you know, and then put it on. So it really doesn't take long. It's actually smart. And over at Smoke's uh Smokey's Musky Bait and Tackle Shop, we have those special tools to put the O ring. And if somebody doesn't know what we're talking about, it's like when you got your uh, plastic worm. That kind of looks like a pen, you know, mm-hmm. about that. Right. Uh, basically, you're putting an O-ring right down the middle of it, and okay. there's a special tool to attach it. And then when you take your hook, instead of putting it through the worm, you put it under the O-ring. Right. And it works fine. It works great. As a matter of fact, you save money by doing it that way because you're not ripping up these worms constantly. Right, right. And uh, most most of these plastic worms are costing 6 $7, $8 a bag. Yes. So, you know, and so you're looking at 70, 80 cents of a worm. Right, right. You know? So if you can save some of those. There is there is a company, I'm not sure which one it is, that actually has the rubber O-ring uh, molded inside the uh, worm. I've seen that. Inside or yeah. outside? No, inside. inside. Really? Yes, it's really? inside the worm. Wow. So uh, it would have to be perpen- or parallel to the length of the worm. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. That's different. Um, anyway, so we, we saw guys catching bluegill. The bluegills were just starting to come in. I mean, not a lot of them, not everywhere, but guys using like wax worms and pieces of crawler or whatever, they, you know, they were up in shallow and they're, they're catching some bluegills and pumpkin seeds and stuff like that. But as far as other people, and we were talking to some of the guys when we left, uh, Everybody, see, everybody we talked to was having a tough day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you what, we, we were out there by, I'd say, 6.30, and we left by 10.30. Yeah. yeah, we were getting off the lake by 10.30. I mean, it was, and it was so windy. It was white caps, you know. Right. It was, oh, man. It, yeah. was just, uh, it was just a tough day. I think, it, you know, if we would have spent a little bit more time, if we would have stayed longer, yeah, we might have caught some more, but... It was just tough fishing, you know. So right. That you know, you're gonna run into days like that. I mean, when you were up north on Land of Lakes, you didn't run into those days. You you guys were hammering small we, small. We had mouth. some we had some good fishing. We had some uh, 
very erratic weather, and, and I think that may have helped things because we had front after front coming through, and the fish just were, were going pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, but none of the fronts were cold fronts. Right, right. You know, there was just a weather front come through. We'd yeah. get some wind. We'd get some rain. It'd be overcast, and then it would clear up for a half a day, and then same thing all same over thing again. Same thing all over again. But you guys caught a lot of smallies, a lot of nice ones, too. We caught a lot of nice ones. We uh, we were there five days. We caught, I believe it was 87 smallmouth, and 12 of them were like 18 and a half to a little over 20 inches. Yeah. You so, know, a lot of people don't realize that in northern Wisconsin, there are so many lakes that are just full of smallmouth. Yeah. I mean, years of, years ago, it wasn't that good for I mean, there were always smallies up there. But for some reason... These last, what, 10, 10 years, would you say, 15 yeah. years? It's just yeah. been an explosion of lots of, and, and nice fish, too, big ones. Part, part, of, the, part of the thing is, and, and this goes mainly to the largemouth bass, but the smallmouth might uh, be part of this, too, is that uh, science has, has proven that um, walleyes and largemouth bass in particular, aren't they don't cohabitate real well yeah. because of the, the, the feeding and the, the areas they're using. Well, with the with the spearing of the walleyes, the walleye population in these lakes is down compared to what they were, okay. and now the bass populations have exploded. Oh, okay, okay, so, that stands to, that yeah. stands the reason. That's what now you know. I have a, a, a trailer on a Chippewa flowage, and the DNR has has waged war against largemouth bass. There's yeah, I know. Starting starting the first Saturday in May, which is uh, uh, the opening of the fishing season. Up there, you can catch and keep bass, which is, you know, everywhere else the season opens, I think, this weekend. Uh, third, on, third on bass. Uh, it's usually third Saturday in June, I thought. Okay. Yeah, yeah so third Saturday in June. Then, correct. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've waged war on the largemouth because they're affecting the walleye fishing. Yeah, now. and you can keep up there, like on Chippewa Flowage, five fish any size. Any, si- any, any size. size. It's Just war. get them out of here. <laughs> <laughs> they've waged war. I, I'm surprised they didn't up that limit then, you know. Yeah, and I'm surprised, but uh, well, we'll see what happens. Hey, listen, we got to run to a break, folks. If you want to give us a buzz, seven nine nine twelve fifty is the phone number. We'll be right back with more of the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Coleman Insect Repellents. Stay tuned for more on one hundred five seven FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Cutting Edge Outdoors. This is uh, Ron and Tom in the studio, and uh, we're going to talk fishing. Yeah, we come to you live from the Baitmate Fish Attracting Studios. Yes, we do. And uh, this is your buddy. Turn that up a little bit once. Oh. Does it sound like him? Oh, he, he sounded just the same as... Really? This song was recorded probably in the early 80s. Sounds just the same. Ah, okay. Just the same. All right. So you saw this guy, okay? Oh, yeah. Now you said you had a bass story. Oh, I got a, I got a, a bass story for you. So in in Ennis, Texas, there was recently caught a record-setting largemouth bass for Lake Bardell. Now you know, so it's not the state record for Texas, but right. for Lake Bardell for the lake. Yeah, the bass's weight was ten pounds, uh, ten point eight pounds, so almost okay. eleven pounds and twenty-four inches long. The unusual thing about what this what about this bass is what the kind of a bait slash lure yeah. it hit. Yeah. So what do you th- in your wildest guess? Wildest guess. Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, a mini mite. No. That's <laughs> not even a close. A mini mite. That's, no. that's not edible for humans. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, it's something that was edible. Oh, oh, I did see this. It, 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 uh, 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 wait a minute. It was a McDonald's chicken nugget. That's right. A chicken McNugget. <laughs> a chicken McNugget. Were, yeah. the, the guy and his girlfriend were out fishing, and they weren't catching anything. And the girlfriend, just being flip about it, she says, why don't you put a chicken McNugget on your hook, throws it out there, and he catches the bass. <laughs> that's I a did Mc, read that. Yeah. That's a McFish for you, I'll tell you. Oh, You know, speak. Is there more to it? Well, I, oh. I just, you know, and I, there was a picture posted there, and I'm looking at the picture, and, and the belly was really big and fat, yeah. and I'm thinking, he's probably eating some French fries also. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is that one time I was fishing with this one friend of mine, and we were up on Lake Wisconsin in the channels there, and uh, he was eating gummy worms. Okay. And he, and he looks at me, and he says, I bet you these stupid fish would eat one of these. He puts it on a hook, and by God, if he didn't catch a bass on it. And well, I said, well, okay. <laughs> Got a bass on a gummy worm. Now, that's why, you know, I know that you like to eat largemouth bass. That's why I don't eat largemouth bass. You don't know what they <laughs> They're eating. eating anything. <laughs> I uh, guess the, the current state record for Texas is 18.1 pounds. That's a big bass. That, that is. That that's is. a big bass. You know, in, 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 in my fishing life so far, i I caught one. Actually, I've caught two 24-inchers, one from uh, Big Cedar Lake, one from Lake Beulah. The one from Big Cedar, I, I don't know what it weighed. We released it. There was a guy. Watch, my son Chris was with me. We measured it. But, the, I, yeah, yeah, yes, it's oh, it was over six pounds. Right. But it was nothing like an eight or nine or nothing like that. Right. The one on Lake Beulah, I don't think that thing weighed four or five pounds. It was one of those dying fish that had the big head and real yeah. skinny body. Oh, that was an ugly fish. And you know, then, But on Pewaukee Lake, down by the little island on the east end, Yep. I, I, I'm with, I, this is when I was guiding, and I had these two guys out from Illinois, and there's a lot of weeds in that area, you know, especially in the summertime. A lot of weeds. And I told these guys, I said, now, you know, they were using bait casters, but they weren't real adept at it, okay, because I said, you know, with all these weeds here, you cast, and they were casting right-handed, and they had right-handed reels. And I said, well, when you cast, when you cast it out, you gotta, as the spinner bait's in the air, you gotta switch hands and then feather it with your left hand, mm -hmm. and then as soon as it hits the water, pull that rod up and start reeling so yep. that it stays right above the weeds, right? <clears throat> and the guy says, show me how that's done. <laughs> I said, okay. Now I'm, you know, when I was guiding, I didn't fish unless somebody invited me to fish. Right. All right. And uh, so I do it for the guy. I, I cast out and I show him. I said, okay, now watch this. And I switched hands, feather it down, hits the water. And then he asked me to do it. He said, do it one more time. I, I didn't see it real good. Do it one more time. I'm going to watch again. I said, okay. So I cast out, switch hands, feather it down. I make about two cranks. Bam, I get a hit. 23 and a half inch largemouth. <laughs> Thing was huge. And this one had the belly on it. Sure. And as a matter of fact, it was on the cover of Midwest Outdoors magazine that year. Oh, wow. And it was one of those fish where I didn't have to hold it out with right. my arms out straight. If you look at the picture, my elbows are against my sides. I'm holding it like right in front of me, right? That thing. Now, that fish, let's put it this I didn't measure it. We released it. And I felt bad about catching it because if one of these guys would have caught it, it'd be on their wall. Right. And they'd have a story for the rest of their lives, right? Um, so I, I felt kind of bad catching it myself. I'd rather had them catch it. But. If I ever caught a seven pounder, that was it. Okay. <laughs> if yeah. I ever did, that was it because that thing, man, it was it was deep and wide and 
23 and a half. That was, a, that was an awesome fish. It, it takes that kind of length and growth to hit seven. That's oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. We've got a lot of, you know, 20, 21, 21 inches, 22 inches that, that are going to be between that five and six pounds, you know. Yeah. And uh, But, boy, to, to get up there at seven and eight, it's got to have some girth to it. You know, that's that's one thing, like, like with muskies, too, but uh, with the bass, that six-pound number gets thrown around a lot. Oh, and I, I tell you, most of them are probably closer to five pounds. Or four. Yeah. I had one guy one time, <clears throat> I, I had a client who caught a fish. It turned out to be a six-pound, nine-ouncer, largemouth. Mm-hmm. 20, 20, I think it was 23 or 24 inches, six pounds, nine ounces. And he, there was a taxidermist not far from where I lived, okay? Mm-hmm. So this guy said, well, can you do me a favor? Can you drop it off by him instead of having me drive all the way over there? And all? I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So I was stopping and getting gas. And there was this, the guy who owned the gas station was always telling me about these six-pound bass he was catching. Oh, wow, we catch limits of them. <laughs> limits of five, six-pounders. Okay, yeah, okay. I just took it with a grain of salt, you know. So anyway, I was getting uh, gas, and then I said, hey, you might want to see this fish. I had it wrapped in a moist towel, you know. Sure. And uh, so I show it to him, and this is a big bass, right? Uh-huh. And, and the guy goes, oh, my God. He says, what is that? Weigh about 10, 12 pounds? <laughs> I says, you catch these all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, he kind of was busted then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was catching Two pounders, two and three pounders, you know. Well, there's nothing wrong with being happy and excited about what you catch. Oh, definitely. But, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, exuberance going on <laughs> yeah, out there. A little bit of exaggeration <laughs> sometimes, yeah, a little bit, just a little bit. But anyway, uh, so, we, yeah, it, it, you know, catching a fish, that's why Wisconsin's state record of 11-3 mm-hmm. for largemouth, it's going to be tough to beat. Very hard. That's going to be tough, yeah. you know. Maybe if somebody has a, a, a big pond on their property, deep enough, full of food, they got it with bluegills, maybe they might grow a bass that big, you know. Probably so, a, probably on a private, fo- uh, yeah. private pond. Yeah, it, it, and it, it can live for 15, 20 right. years. And, and unmolested. <laughs> yeah, and uh, nobody bothering it. Yeah, yeah, so. But then again, you know, again, they got to have the right genetics, too. Right. Grow that big, you know. Not everybody's going to be big and fat. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. But the Smalley record, I think, will be beat. The state record. Well, they get occasionally. You hear a seven, seven and a half. Uh, I think last year a legitimate eight out of the Bay of Green Bay. Yeah. And well, remember two years ago, uh, we saw the video of it. They waited a legitimate nine. Right. On, on, Pewaukee. On, on Pewaukee Lake. Right. I had it on the, the Chatillion scale. They right. took a video of it while it's hanging there. That was Eric Hadia and the guy he was fishing with from Frable, I think. Frable, right. And uh, the guy from Frable caught it, and they weighed it, and that was one pig of a smallmouth. It was a big one. And so if there's a nine-pounder in Pewaukee, who knows? There could be a, one that's over nine pounds, one ounce. Sure, sure. <laughs> Which is our state record, nine pounds, one ounce. Nine one is the Wisconsin yeah, state record? Yeah, Okay. So there, I think that's real, and I think it's possible Bay of Green Bay is a really good yeah. shot for that, but believe it or not, Pewaukee has got a really good shot of breaking that record. Well, there's there's plenty of forage, and, and it's plenty of small forage for yeah. you know, bass consumption. And and plenty of big smallies right now. Right. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of guys are catching some dandy smallies, so. Yeah. Uh, that could just wouldn't that be neat if Pewaukee Lake broke that smallmouth record? It would be unusual. I mean, it, it's not your prototypical smallmouth, right? Lake. 
Can you imagine how many more anglers would be out there? <laughs> it might get crowded. <laughs> oh, jeez, yes. Hey, Ron, it's time now to do a commercial break, and then when we come back, we've got the gut report. Ooh. I've got something really interesting for folks. I did an experiment this week. I'm hungry. And whenever I do experiments, i got to tell people about my experiments. Sometimes <laughs> they work. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> okay. This, this one actually works. Sounds good. So we're going to be right back with more folks at uh, the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Coleman Insect Repellent. Stay tuned for more on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by V-March Easy Produce and Discount Liquor. Well, I did an experiment this week, folks. Now... When I no, first of all, we're going to talk ribs. Most people I know like ribs. Yes. All right. Now you got your baby back ribs. You got your St. Louis cub cut ribs. Then you got the cheaper ones, which are spare ribs. Usually, when people make spare ribs, they're kind of tough. They're they're not as good. But I like making ribs on the grill. You know, I put my rub on it. They're on indirect heat, hour and fifteen minutes, maybe an hour and a half. It depends. I like it. When when you got to actually bite the meat off the bone, that it I don't want it to fall apart. I don't I don't want the bones falling out and you know the meat just falling off and and then you might as well you just use a knife and fork. I like grabbing that bone and biting it off. But I mean I like it tender, but I want to bite it off. The, the guys the guys down south call that a little tug. Yeah, just a little tug. Yes, yep. there you go. Well, my wife likes them a little bit more tender than. Okay. And so I did an experiment. I've heard about this. You know, I've seen it on TV. I've read about it, blah, blah, blah. So I decided to try it. But what I decided to do is take the, the least of the of the ribs, the, the regular spare rib. I bought a small hunk of those, you know, a couple, a couple small hunks. I put my rub on it, and I wrapped it in aluminum foil, gave it a couple of pokes with a knife, you know, for a little steam venting. I put it indirect on the grill. And then I turned them so that, because, you know, one side is always hotter than the other, right. you know. So and I turned them. I had them on a total of uh, almost two hours. Sure. And then I took them out of the foil. And when I was taking them out of the foil, one of the rib bones fell out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I laid them on the grill indirect again, put the barbecue sauce on them, and lead, let, let them on there another 10 minutes. Sure. You know, to get that all, you know, caramelized. And you know what? They Good. were great. Yep. They were tender. They were when you when you bit the rib off the bone, half of the meat came off. I mean, it was that tender, and uh, no tough spots in it whatsoever. It was super good, super mm. good. So, but I think I had them on there just a tad too long because, like I said, when I lifted them out of the foil, a couple of the bones started falling out. So I figure about an hour and forty-five, hour and fifty minutes in the foil, and then put them on indirect again. You know, out of the foil, right, with the barbecue sauce, and it was great. Ooh. So. I can recommend that high, highly. Now, I know a lot of people listening have, have probably done that already. The one thing you never, ever, 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 ever want to do with ribs is boil them first. Right. You never want to boil them first. Don't well, do that. That's the flavor goes yeah, away. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't boil them first. But put them into that aluminum foil. It it was really good. So, anyway, the gut report was brought to you by V Marchese Produce. When quality counts, you can count on V Marchese Produce. Insist on the best. You can visit them at vmarchese.com. And by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and 919 North Barstow in Waukesha. That's Main Street in Barstow. For weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. 
Come here, I'm gonna eat you! I'm bigger than you, I'm higher in the food chain! Get in my belly! You know, Ron, since we are... Oh, and by the way, i got to let everybody know that at, right after the 645 break, uh, we will be playing Hornschwaggle, and Ron will be giving you those three questions to win that uh, beautiful prize package from Bait Mate, Fish <laughs> Attractants, and Coleman Insect Repellents. You bet. Um, since we're talking about bass, there's a couple of lures on the market for bass. Now, you know, topwaters are great, you know, like pop bars and whatever. And there's skitter Different ones, right? But you know what's really big right now are two baits that are really big, swim jigs and chatter baits. Correct. And uh, I'll tell you, chatter baits and swim jigs, you know, they can be, well, chatter baits, you can't use them just anywhere. Can't really throw them around the weeds. Not, no. (laughs) You're going to get a little hung (laughs) up there. But they are working great. Uh, But swim baits, those are really taking off big time. And are you just talking about swim jigs with with uh, with a grass, uh, not grass, uh, with a, um, a silicone skirt, or are you just talking like a a jig and then putting like a fluke or no, or no, I'm, like I'm talking about with with a skirt on it, okay. like a like a flipping jig for yep. backs that's got the rubber skirt on it, and it all depends too on you know how you're going to use it, where you're going to use it, on what you put on. You got to put a trailer on it. Right now, you might use a, a crayfish imitation plastic chunk, you know, on the back. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you'll hop that. Sometimes you can just swim that straight like mm-hmm. it is. But a lot of times you can hop that along, uh, you know, along the bottom. But I last week, I uh, last couple of weeks, I've been using these Kalen's Seismic Shads. Yep. They're like the, what was that thing, GT380? The GT360 by Storm. Yeah, GT360. And they're kind of like the same thing. They got a paddle tail on the back. They got a square back on them. And... I noticed when when I first put it on, I was first trying these things <clears throat> on the back of a swim jig. And you could put a regular old twister tail on the back of swim jigs, too, if you wanted. You know, you can put a lot of different plastics on the back. But that thing, that, that Kalen's one, like the Storm, when you're retrieving it, not only is the paddle tail wiggling back and forth, but the bait itself is going side to side. It's rocking. It's yeah. rocking, you know. I mean, there's a lot of action in that, you know. And a lot of people, you know, when they look at that and they say, what do you mean? You just throw it out and reel it in? Yeah, you just throw it out. (laughs) A lot of times what I'll do is I'll get on a weed line, a deep weed line edge, and I throw it out where, let's say, the weed line edge is 12, 15 feet of water. And I I just want to be out on the edge of it, right? Let's say 15 feet of water. I throw it out as far as I can, and I let it sink to the bottom. Right. And then I just start retrieving it back. Okay. And, uh, you know, so, and you could do it at different levels too. You could wait until, you know, count to 10, let's say, and then start retrieving it or whatever. You can do a number of different things with it. But, uh, and it's funny, some, some of those hits are heavy, you know, like bam, mm-hmm. you know, trying to rip the rod out of your other ones. It's almost like, <laughs> like you don't feel any weight on the end. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you better set the hook. They just come up and, and yeah. you don't grab it. Yeah, they just, well, I told Bushy one day, it's like they assume it. They mm-hmm. just come up from behind and grab it, and they, they're still going forward with it. And it's like, hey, what happened? So, some of these rubber uh, rubber fluke type uh, baits with the paddle tail are so lifelike. We we caught a couple of fish, not a lot because we didn't do it a lot, but we caught a couple using these, they're a, a big worm hook with a, a a weight on the underside of the hook. Oh, sure, yeah. And then we just, you, you can buy these hollow flukes mm-hmm. and, you you know, rig it up there as weedless as you can. Sure. 
and uh, you just throw it out and just reel it in real slow. Yeah. You, no jigging action, yeah. no nothing, just to do nothing. Yeah, and they and they catch fish. You know, I I told people was it last year, or the year before last, I had these uh, the Kalins. Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember what they're called. They 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 look like a fluke. Okay, mm-hmm. they look like a, a minnow. You know, with a tail. Well, anyway, and I wasn't having any luck with uh, the the plastic worms, the round ones, you know, rigged wacky style. Right. So I rigged up one of those wacky style, and I caught fish on it. Sure. And it was like, well, why not? It looks just like a fish. Hey, you know, I mean, it looks like a minnow. But you were using something weird when you were up north. Hmm. You were you, and I saw that bait before, but you actually, I saw it on uh, on the internet, but you actually used it. And what is it again? Well, it's in a category they call them spy baits, S P Y, and and they're. You know, there's about maybe six, seven companies, mainly mainly Japanese companies that are making them. But they're a bait that's, uh, depending upon the company, two and a half to three inches long. And they got a propeller on the front and a propeller on the back. And these are tiny propellers, you know, that the propeller might be a half an inch total mm-hmm. in, in across. Now, when you say that, people are thinking, oh, it's a topwater bait. It's not a topwater <laughs> bait. It's a subsurface bait. Yeah. And uh, you you can count it down. And now we were fishing in anywhere from two to six feet of water, so we were you know counting it down for maybe a count of two. And you just you just reel it in slowly. Yeah. And it uh, depending upon the company again, some of them just come in like that, nice and level. And a couple of them have have a little rocking motion, like you were talking mm-hmm. about with the GT three hundred and sixty. Yeah. And. Uh, most of the bigger bass that we caught that week were caught on spy yeah. baits. So, so it's a prop bait, front and back props, but it's a subsurface bait. Yeah, because a lot of people when they see the props, they think, "Oh, that's top water." Right, and it's not. It, it and it comes to the water like this this little unassuming minnow that's just having a great day, <laughs> and he's minding his own business, and he just comes across the wrong predator. Actually, we caught the two biggest muskies that we caught that week were caught on spy baits. Yeah, you caught how many? Uh, we caught six that week. Six muskies fishing for bass. Right now, you know, folks, you got to know some. Ron is an expert muskie angler. He has caught a lot of muskies, a lot of big muskies. Uh, he knows his cr- stuff about muskies. To hear you talking bass, though, <laughs> you know, but, it's like you're a bass pro now. <laughs> I got, I got to, I got to qualify something you just said, though. And, and this, this, uh, for some of our listeners that remember or knew him, uh, Joe Earhart once told me. He says, you know, there are no experts in fishing. All you can be is experienced. That's right. I agree with that one hundred percent. That's right, because nobody knows everything about. Nope. Fish About the time fishing. you think you know it, they're going to put you in your place. That's right. Yeah, they throw you the old curveball. <laughs> okay, folks, we're going to come back uh, with the horn schwaggle. So we need a contestant. You got to call 414-799-1250 to win that really, really nice prize package from Coleman Insect Repellents and Baitmate Fish Attractants. So call now, 799-1250. Ron is going to ask you three outdoorsy questions. Get two out of the three correct, and you will win that prize package. So call right now, 414-799-1250. We'll be right back with more of the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, welcome back. We are brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants. You can find those at Smokey's Musky Bait and Tackle Shop if you need some. We got them all. And on the line to play Hornschwaggle is an old friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a while, Captain Scott. How are you, buddy? 
Good morning, Tom. I haven't talked to you in a long time. What, where have you been hiding? Oh, work has been very busy, so that's a good thing. Yes, that is. Yes, but that it's is. Keeping, it's keeping me from having all the fun that I could be having out on things like water and hunting and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. You, you should be. Uh, you got to take a little time, you know, to do stuff. You and your wife. You got to do some. Take some time for yourselves. Okay. Yeah. I'll. I'll just say that Tom told me, and I'm closing the shop. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Ron is going to give you the three questions. Okay. Okay. Good. You know how to play Hornswoggle, right? I do. All right. Yep. Here's Ron. Okay, Scott. Here we go. I got three questions. You got to get two out of the three right, and we'll be glad to send you a Baitmate uh, Fish Attractive and Coleman Insect Repellent Package. Wonderful. So if, if you've been listening, uh, you heard that two weeks ago while I was up in northern Wisconsin bass fishing, I caught six muskies accidentally, uh, one of which was a hybrid muskie. The other five muskies were naturals, and the other five were all scarred up and beat up looking due to the spawn. The reason the hybrid was not scarred up is that they do not spawn. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? No Hornschwaggle. That's right. All right, that's one. You're halfway home. Okay, some, some people uh, are very much into picking morel mushrooms in the spring of the year, and uh, they are, they are the, the best, in my mind, the best mushroom to eat. So, what morel mushrooms are nearing the end of their harvesting season for this spring. One of Mother Nature's tips that the time is right for harvesting morels is when the lilacs are blooming. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? No hornschwaggle. You got it. You, got you it. must be a mushroom picker. You want to go three for three? See if you can do the trifecta? Oh, sure. All right. All right here we go. Turkeys. Baby turkeys are called pouts, and they stay with their mothers for the first year of their lives. The mother does stay with them on the ground until the pouts are strong enough to roost safely in trees. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? Hornschwaggle. Oh, that's uh, a no hornschwaggle. Oh, didn't go for three for three. <laughs> well, I've watched them fly up in the trees when they're young, so yeah. I know they can. Yeah, they, they just they tend to stay with them until the, the whole clutch can... Uh, uh, I'm not sure if they're called a clutch or not. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Till, yeah, it's a clutch. Yeah. It's a clutch. Yeah, they can all roost safely in trees. So. Hey, Scott, I got to ask yeah. you, since I got you in a line and I haven't talked to you in a while, okay. <laughs> do, do you still uh, raise those chocolate labs? Um. Well, no, not anymore. No? We have a yellow right now, but that's the only thing we have oh, okay. at the moment. Because uh, we were, uh, it got to the point my girls have all the and... With my wife busy and myself busy with the business, we didn't figure it was good to keep going in that. Oh, okay. You must be in a windy area. I am. I'm walking from the car to the shop this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, listen, Scott, I'm not going to hold you up from work. Thanks for playing, and I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. Hey, thank talk you, Scott. Bye. Okay, bye, Scott. Yeah, Captain Scott Rady, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he, was he, he was he a, a Lake Michigan guide at some point? Or? Uh, no, he just likes fishing out there. Okay, yeah, he likes fishing there, and then he'll take his boat down to Florida, usually once a year. Uh, you know, we'll go down I, once a year, once every couple of years, we'll go down to Florida, and uh, you know, go on the Gulf or wherever the heck it is he mm -hmm. goes, you know, and catches some of those saltwater fish. So yeah, he, he gets out there. He fishes Winnebago too. You know. Okay. Yeah, so, Cascade. That's kind of that's. On the southern side of uh, Lake Winnebago, yeah, yeah, maybe ten, twenty miles. Right. So anyway, uh, so we, you know, before we did the hornschwaggle, before you know, we were talking about those spy baits and all these. You know, there, every, you know, it's it it's 
there's a lot of years in between actual new lures. Yes. You know what I mean? A lot of the stuff is just, eh, they add something to something that's already there. Like I, I saw, uh, if anybody knows what a pop R is, it's a top water mm-hmm. bait. It's got a, what is it, a concave scoop in the front. Right. And you just twitch it along, blows water out, makes the noise, goes, yep. you know. Well, somebody put a, a, a lip, a little crankbait lip on the front of one. Mm-hmm. And I forget what they call it. Well, it's, I don't know. Is that really new? I mean, it's, I don't know. Never know. Hey, yeah, well, you never know. I mean, but it's, but this thing, this spy bait, you know, the prop, now prop baits front and back have been around forever. Right. Hedden started with that, what whatever that one was called, the uh, Hedden one, the little one. I forget what it's called. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but to make it sinking, mm-hmm. you know, to make it subsurface, that is different. And and they come in the water perfectly horizontal. Yeah. yeah. Know, they don't ride nose up yeah. or tail down or anything. Yeah. They come in the water nice and straight. And yeah. Uh, when you first throw it out there, you think, yeah, right. They work. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of times when it's not so much baits are new, but techniques are mm-hmm. different. It's like we've always had plastic worms, but a number of years back, somebody started rigging them in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, the worm isn't new. It's just the technique that's new. Drop shotting. Mm-hmm. The plastic worms used for drop drop shotting isn't new. The it kind of like a almost like a Winnebago rig, a short Winnebago rig or something. That's not new, but the technique is different, right? You know, so we we sometimes have the same lures, just different techniques to get to where the fish are. You know, one of the one of the things that worked for us too, and uh, I, I really emphasize this when we're musky fishing. I, I always run my boat from the rear of the boat. Uh, you know, right. I got a bow mount trolling motor, but I run it from the back. And the person in the back of the boat, his responsibility is to, to do the angle change. Yeah. And and uh, so, you know, the guy in the front of the boat, he's maybe throwing to a dock or throwing ahead of a dock or throwing to a boulder or something. Mm-hmm. And, and he may not catch nothing. And a lot of the fish that we catch uh, bass fishing are caught by the guy in the back of the boat because he's throwing the bait back at maybe a 45-degree angle, and that lure is coming in at a different angle than the right. guy in the front of the boat right, did. Right, right. And, and the same thing holds true with musky fishing, especially especially on uh, Canadian shield lake-type lakes where you're, where you're actually uh, fishing a visible structure, like mm-hmm. rocks, boulders, yeah, trees, yeah. stuff like that. Because it depends on where the fish is holding onto that structure. Right. And uh, what, how, which way they're positioned. Yeah, exactly. You know. And, you know, you know, like uh, when fishing, uh, if let's say – Fishing docks, and you're with a buddy, and you know, got one guy in the front, one guy in the back. The guy in the back of the boat, and this is the way I always did it when I fished with my friends in tournaments, and that is that it, it's like the guy in the back of the boat's responsibility is to get the areas that the guy in the front of the boat didn't get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. he's got to get because right. you can't get, get every one of them as you're going along, you know. And uh, you know, it was funny. Uh, last week, I, I told everybody how I told my son that you don't wait for the fish to come to you, you go to the fish. Same thing happened when I was out Monday with my oldest son. Mm-hmm. He was spending way too much time in these areas. He was in the front of the boat, right? right. And he was spending way, and I kept telling him, God, we're spending way too much time. You're not getting any bites. Let's move, you know? Is he in control? Yeah. Okay. And and and, and he he knows the theory you go to the fish. You know, he'll move a lot, but sometimes he, I think he spends a little bit too much time. But he does work the area thoroughly. Okay. You know, he likes to work it thoroughly. I'm a little bit more antsy. I, <laughs> I wanna, if nothing bites in the first 10 minutes, I'm out of here. I'm going another place where I'm just moving down the shoreline a bit or whatever. I'm doing something else or trying different lures. You know, it's almost like having to be a Boy Scout. Right. You got to be prepared for just about anything. 
my wife would like to fish with you because she, you know, I tend to fish slow yeah. and, and I tend to, to clean it out. Yeah. And she's like, I, my bait's been there already. <laughs> yeah, my bait's been there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's in the front of the boat and she's got lead cast. And uh, and oftentimes that makes a difference having a lead cast. But I've been there already. You know, well, throw the bait another 10 feet to the, you know. And you never yeah, know. It, yeah. it don't, uh, yeah, don't pay to argue. Yeah, no. <laughs> you should just give her the control and say, here, do what you want to do. Exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Exactly. Oh, boy, this has been a fun first hour. But when we come back... In about a minute, we're going to go to Greg's update. And the Brewers had a tough one last night. Good pitching by both sides. Jimmy Nelson was doing great. But uh, the bats just weren't alive. Kershaw is pretty good. I watched that game (laughs) until the the end of the ninth inning, and then I just turned the news on. It's like, oh, man, tied up. He is pretty good. It would be nice if the Brewers had a guy like him, too. But anyway, when we come back after the 7 o'clock update, uh, we're going to talk about a big fish that was caught on the Bay of Green Bay, and we're going to talk about how to estimate the weights. All sure. right, and we're gonna we're gonna see if any of our contestant contestants are pretty good at that. Okay. okay, all right. So anyway, folks, without any further ado, you are listening to the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors. Sitting in for Danny Bush today is Ron Heidenreich. I'm Tommy, the True Newbauer. Greg Janik is on the boards, and here he is with your sports update. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 